All right, well, let's just go ahead and jump in. I want to be timely and get y'all out of here at 1130. Um, But anyway, um, I was going to start in chapter 3, verse 12, because I thought um, those were some really hard verses to understand. But um, as God would have it last week, I kept going back to verse 1 over and over and over and the richness of it. So we're going to start in chapter 3, verse 1, actually, today. Um, But before we start, let's pray. Oh, God, you are powerful. And Lord, you know that um, my heart is a little shaky this morning as um, the weightiness of sin has been put before me. So many people in this room are struggling with so many hard things. We don't want to take that for granted. We don't want to view it lightly. But I pray that you would help us look at your word, that you would um, empower us, that you would encourage us, that we would see that your word is living and active and so powerful. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come today, for without you, we will not see, we will not hear. So we ask that you come today, that you open our eyes to see you, that you open our ears to hear you, that you will show us our sin, and that you will show us the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of your promises, and that it will change our life. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so verse 1. What was it that jumped out at me? Let's read it. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. So the first thing I want to point out, let's remember that the author is talking to the congregation, which a congregation is made up of believers and non-believers. Think of everybody who walks through the doors of the church. But what does he do right here in verse 1? Holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling. The Greek word for holy right here is hagios, which means separated, or in this context, separated from sin and consecrated to God. So something different is happening right here. He is saying, believers, Christians, I'm talking to you. Wake up. Listen to me. What does he say? Two small words that are very vast. Consider Jesus. Consider means to fix your eyes or your mind upon something. So what is he saying? Fix your eyes, fix your mind upon Jesus. And then he points out two things. The first one is that he was an apostle, and the second is that he was the high priest of our confession. Why is this important? An apostle is one who was sent to represent God before men and to speak and to act on his behalf. Because Jesus was sent on God's behalf to speak and talk to us, y'all, so many times we, we forget this. We think so many times, I can't hear God. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he wants me to do. We have these feelings and emotions that are raging. We complain like the Israelites did, yet we don't take advantage what God has given us. In his Bible, we see Jesus. He speaks to us. He speaks to us on behalf of God. When we're confused, when we're struggling, 
We are to pick up our Bibles and we are to look at Jesus in our Bibles. We were told in chapter one, he is the exact imprint of God's nature. This is huge. This is mind-blowing. The Bible is where we find our truth. Think about our world. It's all over the place. The world is telling us to put our hope in so many different things. The only place where we can find absolute truth is in the holy inspired word of God. So anything we hear, anything we listen to, anything we read, we must be viewing it through the lens of scripture. We are being exhorted and told in the most loving way, believer, wake up. Look in the scriptures to Jesus. Fix your mind on him. Meet with others. Talk to others about scripture, for that is where you see Jesus. We're also told that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. So now we see Jesus playing a role where he represents man to God. We could spend hours looking back at Leviticus 16, talking about all the functions of the high priest. But let's remember That high priest is our mediator who stood in the gap for us to pay for our sins. Jesus is that perfect high priest, the final payment. Our sins are forgiven. The author is telling us, fix your minds on Jesus. He paid for your sins. I've sent Jesus to represent God to you. We are to be on guard and fix our minds on Jesus. So this is a lame example, and I almost took it out, but it's the only thing um, that I could think of. So I guess I'm going to go ahead and say it. So what does it mean to fix our eyes on Jesus? We all go through life. We have responsibilities. We have daily things that we have to do, right? We can't just sit on the couch by the fire reading our Bible all day as long as, you know, that sounds wonderful, but we can't do that. So I was looking, thinking about my life, so day in the life of Aaron Pierce. I'm going to give you two different scenarios. So this is a good day for me. On a good day, when I feel like I'm fixing my mind, my eyes on Jesus, I wake up before anybody in my house wakes up and starts talking to me. I read about God. I read about Jesus. I read the things that he says to me. I ask God, please give me your grace and strength to fix my eyes on you today. A little bit later, Cole comes running down the stairs. Mom, what are you doing? I'm reading about Jesus. Let's talk about him. A little bit later, we hear Davis. Mom, mom, come get me run upstairs. We go get Davis. I scoop him up out of the bed. Davis, I'm so glad God made your sweet, loud self, and I pray he uses your mouth for his glory. He gives me a little smirk. We hear Charlie at this point, so we all head over to go get Charlie. As we walk in the room, we see he has a diaper that has exploded everywhere. I take a deep breath, and I say, God, this is disgusting, but I thank you for this baby He is healthy, he can eat, and he can have exploding diapers. Thank you for this gift. Cole and Davis jump in. Can we help? Can we help? We take off the sheets. So goes the day. And I feel like there's a difference of where my mind is fixed. Let me give you the alternate scenario. Stay in my bed till the last second. Cole comes in. He wakes me up. Oh, Cole, get out of my face. I need sleep. You and your brothers are wearing me out. Davis starts screaming, mom, mom. I trudge up the stairs thinking, I am so sick of hearing the word mom. 
I snatch him out of the bed. We head over to get Charlie. I see the diaper, and immediately I'm just like, I cannot stand this. Cole Davis, get out of my way. Go downstairs. Everybody leave me alone, and I think, I can't believe this is my life. As embarrassing as it is to share my thoughts with you, both of those things happen in my life. But what I want you to see is that we actually play a huge role in fixing our minds and our eyes on Jesus. We have a choice to make. Will you choose to fix your mind on Jesus? Or will you go through your day complaining about everything that God is giving you? And let me encourage us, even on those days that start out really bad, we can stop, we can confess our sin, and we can fix our minds on Jesus. We gotta keep moving, and I want us to go ahead and jump down to verses 12 through 14. So let's read that and focus in a little bit on those verses. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence to the end. So in verse 12, he says, brothers. So remember, he's bringing us back to the congregation where he is speaking to believers and non-believers. So if you read this passage and think, oh no, I can lose my salvation. My eternity is not secure. Let me tell you, if you are a believer, someone who the Holy Spirit has breathed life into, and you are standing on nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ, you cannot fall away. But if you are not a believer, you can. How do we know this? If you have your Bibles and you can turn there quickly, turn to John 10, verse 27 through 30. One day I was reading this as a new believer, and it forever changed my life. We are going to read this, and this is Jesus speaking. And what I'm going to do is there are a lot of pronouns in here, so I'm going to say if if it's Jesus or if it's God the Father, I'm going to plug it in so we can kind of get the weight of this. And when he says sheep, I'm going to plug in true believer so you can hear the language of this. So John chapter 10, 27 through 30. Jesus is speaking, and he says, My sheep, Jesus' true believers, hear Jesus' voice. Jesus knows the true believers, and the true believers follow Jesus. Jesus gives the true believer eternal life, and the true believer will never perish. No one will snatch the true believer out of Jesus's hand. My Father God, who has given the true believer to Jesus, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch the true believer out of God the Father's hand. Jesus and the Father are one. If we are truly believe, if we truly believe what these verses are saying, which is God is greater than anyone, than Satan, than the demons, than any bad thing that can happen. He is telling us once he gets you, he gets you. Jesus gives eternal life and no one can snatch the believer out of his hand. So where do our minds immediately go? We say, is that really true? 
What about that person that I knew was a believer? And yet, look at what happened to him. I would like to suggest there are two options. One is that they were never believers. They looked like believers, they acted like believers, they talked like believers, but they weren't truly born again. Remember, there are those who profess with their lips that they believe in Jesus, yet we can come to find out that they really don't. Let's remember what Matthew 7, 21 says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So the second option is they might be in a season where God has given them over to their sin to humble them, to break them, to discipline them so that they can repent and see God more fully. Let me give you an example. Let's look at King David. Was he a true believer? He was. But King David had gotten sloppy There was a time that he was supposed to be fighting and at war with his men, but he decided to stay home and relax. He ended up indulging himself. He had an affair. He killed Bathsheba's husband, and he was fine with it for a little while, which leads to my next point. If you are a believer and you can't lose your salvation, does that mean we say, game over? I get to sit back and prop my feet up and relax. I'll just wait till I get to go home with Jesus. What does verse 13 say? Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Believers, this is for us. As long as we are on earth, we are in a battle, a serious battle We have this terrible condition inside of us called sin. We will not get rid of it until we die and are in heaven with Jesus. I feel like some people think, sin, eh, it's not that big of a deal. I'll just make sure I don't do the really big ones and I'll be okay. Do we understand sin? Are we stronger than King David? Unless we realize this beast inside of us that can be awakened at any moment, we won't see our need to fight. We will be lazy and sloppy. Without the grace of God and the Holy Spirit restraining us, any one of us can walk out of this room and begin a path that leads to an affair, a sexually immoral relationship, a pornography addiction, relying on painkillers, alcohol to numb the really harsh realities of this world. We can turn to materialism. Anything can get us, y'all. We must realize the condition called sin or we won't fight. We don't have to look far to see believers who have been hardened and they have been blinded by their sin and there have been terrible consequences. But what do we know to be true? The biggest, biggest but that we are so glad to hear. Jesus Christ has come. For the worst of the worst. He didn't come for the hypocrites who think they can pray good and tithe the right amount. He came for those who are sick and dirty, and he loves washing us whiter than snow. 
what happened when the Lord opened King David's eyes? He said, have mercy on me, O God. Wash me from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And those beautiful words we love to hear, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. My prayer has been for all of us today. If there are those of us who have gotten sloppy, if we've started indulging in sin, if we are deceived, that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to wake us up and realize that we are on the front lines of a battle. We've got to fight. We are told to exhort one another. And one of the best definitions I love of this is it says, to admonish urgently or to caution earnestly. We all need this all the time. We should be exhorting one another every single day. None of us are exempt from being caught up in heinous sin. Verse 14 tells us that the true mark of a Christian is one who perseveres to the end. And while that sounds scary, we must remember, we are saved by Jesus Christ's work alone. And it is the work of Jesus Christ who will keep us to the end. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.13 and 14 says, In him you, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The beauty of Jesus is that he comes, he gets us, and he carries us to the end. That doesn't mean we don't mess up. That doesn't mean we don't hit bumps in the road. When we consider Jesus and we fix our eyes and our mind on him, we see his powerful hold on us. That is the most security you can ever hope for in this life. We trust in his unfailing love to keep us until the end. John Piper said that holding our original confidence to the end is not something we as a man accomplish. Rather, it is the evidence that Jesus Christ is in us and holding us firm to the end. Isn't that beautiful? In closing, I want us to go back to that raging battle against sin. There is the lure and enticement of all those tempting worldly things around us. How in the world do we fight? Let's read Hebrews 4, 12, and 13 as we close. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. One of our greatest weapons that God has given us is his holy, infallible, inspired word of God, and we ignore it. Our sin battles all around us, and we choose everything else to put our hope in except for the true word of God. And I just want to warn us, there are people out there who claim to believe in the authority of Scripture, 
Yet the things they are claiming are in direct opposition of the word of God. Be careful. Please read your Bible. Make sure what you are believing and what you are claiming is what the Bible says. One final story. As I've been trying to help my family and myself fix our eyes and our minds on Jesus as we go throughout the day, one thing that we have been doing is once we get in the car and everybody's strapped in and can't run away from me, we pray. So one of the one times we can do it, we pray. We ask God to give us wisdom. We ask God to help us choose right from wrong. And then I ask the boys, what do you want to pray for? And I'll never forget it. About one month ago, my sweet, spicy, fiery two-year-old looked at me and said, Mom, will you pray about that snake getting his head crushed? And of course, I laughed. And then as I laughed, tears immediately filled up my eyes because what I saw was the living, active word of God that has been read to my two-year-old. And then when it was spoken back to me, he spoke truth and he exhorted me to remember that God is more powerful than Satan and God will win this battle and he will crush the snake's head. We thank God together for his promises. If my two-year-old who didn't even know what he was doing could do that for me, how much more can we and should we be doing this with one another? The word of God is living and active. It discerns our thoughts, our intentions. We must stand on Jesus Christ, our sure foundation, and we come full circle. If we consider Jesus, if we fix our minds on him, if we fix our eyes on Jesus, we will be in his word because that's how we know him. And by knowing him and being in his word, we are taking hold of this double-edged sword which is mighty for battle that is raging all around us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you so much for your word. Please forgive us for ignoring it, for thinking that other things are more important, that there are other things that will help us and fulfill us. When, there, when that is where we find truth, there is so much power in your word. Give us the grace and the strength to discipline ourselves, to immerse ourselves in your word so that there will be true change within our hearts and that it will overflow out to all of those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.